Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, another fantastic open from Mario Ruiz. Hope you guys enjoyed our playoff coverage of the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll do uh, one hour of Lakers talk tonight. A lot to get into, as we do every single week. It seems like the coaching carousel continues for the Lakers. We're uh, still obviously waiting to figure out what the franchise looks to do. Some news over the last couple of days. So last time I did Lakers talk, uh, last Monday it was, and the conversation we were having, we were kind of looking at different type of coaches without really knowing finalists or anything like that. Well, since then we got some uh, some new news, and then uh, today we got some news as well in regards to Lakers. Uh, Mark Stein had put something out as Lakers still have some hope there for Doc Rivers. So this is what I want to do. Um, we got a lot to get into. Uh, is the Lakers job attractive? If you're comparing the Lakers job to some other opportunities out there, how does the Lakers opportunity stack up? Um, is waiting for Doc Rivers, is that a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Friday was three candidates, and I mentioned Doc supposedly now uh, still a part of that mix. I want to give you who I would like to see he- uh, be the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers based on those four different guys that we've been discussing. Magic Johnson thinks that if Russell Westbrook, uh, Russell Westbrook comes back, um, how it could potentially work. He highlighted some stuff with David Aldridge on The Athletic, and then I'll give some uh, some thoughts here on the NBA playoffs. Trevor Lane of Lakers Nation is going to join the show. You guys always know how much I enjoy having a conversation with him on Lakers basketball. He'll come up in about a half hour. Okay, let's start off with this. Is the Lakers job attractive? Is it an attractive job? Just kind of simply put, if you look at different opportunities out there, you know, one of the supposedly one of the opportunities out there um, is the Charlotte Hornets job, that it's not just the Lakers, but it's also the Charlotte Hornets. And out of some of these candidates that the Lakers are talking to, or at least some of those three that were out there, Darvin Ham, Terry Stotts, um, Woj had put out you know something along the, uh, along the line that um, the NBA, or the, they believe that the Charlotte head coaching job is in direct competition with the Lakers opening. So I want to spend some time on that for a quick second. How much of this Lakers coaching opportunity is attractive to a head coach out there? Now, look, there's going to be coaches that don't currently have a head coaching job. Terry Stotts does not have, well, if it's not the Lakers, well, I could stay at where I'm currently at. That's not the position Terry Stotts is in. Um, uh, let me use Darvin Ham as an example. Darvin Ham has been only an assistant coach. He's never actually been a head coach. But let's say these guys are looking at, they have an opportunity to either coach the Los Angeles Lakers or the Charlotte Hornets, that it's up to them, that they could you know, pick between the two gigs. I heard J.J. Redick a little bit earlier this morning, Travis and I were playing on it, uh, Get Up. He was on Get Up, and he was talking about, look, this isn't a good coaching job for the Lakers. You got aging superstar. You got another guy that you're not 100% sure what's going to happen with him as far as Anthony Davis and his health. Is Russ going to be on the roster? Is he not? Uh, the Lakers don't even have really assets for the future. Um, it's in a win-now environment. There are a lot of things you could look at this Lakers job and you know, kind of ask the question, which is fair. Anytime somebody, um, anytime they're interviewed for a coaching or anytime you're interviewed for any position, you, you got to ask some questions too. It's not just, well, do they want you? It's, do you want to be there? Is the opportunity there? Is there great room for growth? Where do you see yourself with that company in three to five years? Is it a company that you feel like, you can grow within the ranks. There's a lot of questions that also come from the person who's interviewing the job. So this is what I know about the Lakers job, and I'm going to compare it to Charlotte. Because when we say, is this, is this an attractive job? Well, the Charlotte Hornets certainly have young players that they can build off over there, starting with LaMelo Ball. Um, the, the Charlotte Hornets certainly have kind of this uh, – this foundation of, all right, well, the pressure is not going to be there to go be successful right out the gate, that you're going to have some some uh, running room. You're going to have some opportunity to maybe over the next three to five years, this is what the vision is going to be for the Charlotte Hornets. And if this year they were eliminated, 
Um, and next season it's going to be, all right, can we get one of those top six slots so then you don't have to worry about the playing tournament? And then what can they be in a couple years from now when they have more draft picks, so forth and so forth. So I, I use the Charlotte gig as an example because it looks like, hey, if you're a head coach that maybe has been out of the league for a little bit, or maybe this is the first time you've ever been a head coach, not bad. It looks like a pretty attractive destination. It looks like a, a gig or a job that you could look at and say, there might be some good opportunity here. And then you look at it and you compare it to the Lakers gig, and there's a lot more question marks. And there's, look, I, there's nothing to sugarcoat here. There are a lot of ifs about this upcoming season for the Lakers and the near future for the Lakers. LeBron will be going into his 20th season. Anthony Davis has played less than 50% of the games over the last two years. Russell Westbrook will make $47 million this upcoming season, and there's no guarantee that Russ wants to be a Laker, and I don't think there's any guarantee that the Lakers want Russ here. But um, the question is going to be, can you get him off your books? And if you do get him off your books, is it going to make sense for the lo- uh, the short-term future for the next couple of years? Do you have to give up draft compensation? I think there's also been a lot of question question marks about the Lakers' front office. Okay, hey, is it? am I reporting to Rob Palenka? Am I reporting to Kurt Rambis? Am I reporting to, um, are, are there, is Phil Jackson giving his opinion? Is Magic Johnson giving his opinion? Who exactly am I reporting to? And is everybody pulling the rope in the same direction? I, I don't have that answer. I'm not in the front office. I can't give that answer. But what I can do is bring up all these different question marks around the Lakers. Let's put it this way. Uh, the fact of, is the Lakers job attractive? If it's coming down between the Lakers and the Charlotte Hornets, don't you think any of those guys at the Lakers, those candidates that listed on Friday, Kenny Atkinson, Terry Stotts, and Darvin Ham, if somebody had already offered them a job to come coach the Charlotte Hornets and they wanted that job, wouldn't they have already taken it? So when I hear the, is the Laker job attractive, um, you know what, maybe at this point right now you can sit back and you can kind of pile on and say, you know what, no, no, that's not an attractive job. Um, but I, I think there's a reason why a lot of these coaches haven't already committed to potentially taking that Charlotte gig. So if you have an opportunity, there's two ways to look at it, and there's two ways to look at this this coaching vacancy for the Lakers. One way to look at it is the way I just I just described it and all the question marks that come with it. But I think there are plenty of coaches out there that are saying to themselves, there is no powerful, no more powerful franchise in, in arguably all the sports, certainly in the NBA, that doesn't come with the cachet of the Los Angeles Lakers, the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. And I think there's going to be a head coach out there that either is an assistant right now or um, is questioning what they're going to do and everything else that's going to sit back and say, I will take my chances with LeBron, even though it's his 20th year in the NBA. I'll take my chances with Anthony Davis, even though you know we're going to need him to play 70 games this upcoming year. I'll take my chances with the front office who helped win a championship just a couple of years ago, and it's the Los Angeles Lakers freaking franchise. It's not the Charlotte Hornets. So I understand the people that are criticizing the role that a coach would have here with the Lakers because of so many unanswered questions. But let's stop pretending like it's not attractive. And let's stop pretending that other coaches wouldn't be interested in this job over the Charlotte Hornets. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, ultimately one of these guys are going to have the option of taking one of those two gigs and they're going to pick the Charlotte Hornets over the Lakers. Now, maybe it's apple, Maybe it's not apples to apples. Maybe one team offers less years and another team offers more years and more money. So it's, it's you know, it's obviously that part's going to come to question. But... I find it difficult that if one of those three candidates are offered the Lakers job and the Charlotte job, they take the Hornets job over the Lakers. I think it's one of those gigs where it's kind of a it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to coach the Lakers where those other teams, a team like Charlotte, if you're making your circles around the NBA, um especially if you're one of the younger coaches, an opportunity like Charlotte could probably always come up in the NBA at least every couple of years or so. Uh so uh, on that front, um, two things have happened here over the last few days. First thing that happened on Friday uh, is it looked like there were three finalists for the Lakers job. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm doing the show with Travis. And at one point, 
um, Woj put out a tweet saying, hey, look, these are the contenders. It's It looks like Terry Stotts and Darvin Ham are the two guys that um, are, are kind of the, the final uh, candidates for the Lakers job. And then Sham Sharania put out a tweet not too far after that saying, no, 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 there one more coach here. Add Kenny Atkinson as well, who's right now an assistant for the Golden State Warriors. Um, later today, it came up that, uh, that Doc Rivers, and this was uh, reported, let me see who, I want to say, was it Woj? That report? Or no, actually, I'm sorry, this was Mark Stein. So this is the piece that I was referring to. Um, L.A. hasn't abandoned hope 76ers head coach Doc Rivers becomes available. Um, Bill Plaschke had had an article on this in the L.A. Times. So th- this, I guess you could say, kind of comes down to then, okay, well then maybe we got four candidates that are still available for the Lakers gig. Maybe there still are – maybe the Doc Rivers piece of this is still out there. So initially when the Lakers were eliminated from uh, contention – and then Frank Vogel was fired the day after the Lakers season. It was at April 11th. They lost to the Nuggets. Or no, they beat the Nuggets on the road. And then April 11th, he was officially fired by Rob Palenka and the Lakers. The The coaching candidates that the Lakers, it was rumored, are going to go after was Quinn Snyder, Nick Nurse, Doc Rivers. All three of those coaches have something in common. Uh, they've had success in the NBA to an extent. Doc Rivers, Nick Nurse have won championships before. Quinn Snyder, obviously, in Utah. But they were all current head coaches. The The noise has trickled down. It's calmed down when it's come to Nick Nurse and Quinn Snyder. Really haven't heard much from those two. But the Doc Rivers, that one came up very early on. And I don't know if this is a game of chicken right now going on between the Lakers and the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't know if the Sixers and Daryl Morey are thinking to themselves, Dan, we'd really love to have Mike D'Antoni or one of these other coaches. Daryl Morey did not hire Doc Rivers, so I'm not sure if he wants his own head coach uh, in this situation. But one of the things that the Philadelphia 76ers obviously have with Doc Rivers is he's under contract. So maybe they are trying to get some type of asset to come from the Lakers in order to not only let Doc Rivers you know, out of his contract, which maybe they want to do, maybe they don't, but also see if they can get some draft compensation for it. Travis and I were talking about this this morning as well, and it's kind of the conversation of, all right, how soon do you need to get a head coach? Well, if you really want a coach, go give up whatever draft compensation it is and go make it happen. Uh, what's the point of waiting? What's the point of sitting back and kind of saying to yourself, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll – Let's play this whoever blinks first, like it might might be with the Lakers and Doc Rivers. I don't really look at it that way, to be honest with you. I don't want to say what's the rush, as in there's no rush at all. But I don't think the next couple of weeks are critical enough to where we have to get our head coach ASAP. Or let's go with, you know what, let's quit playing games with the Sixers. If we really want Doc Rivers but they want to play some games, screw it. Let's go get Darvin Ham right now and let's move the hell on. I I don't really feel like the Lakers are in a position where they have to do that. And let me kind of explain some of my reasoning here. If Doc Rivers is your number one choice and you feel like you have a couple of weeks to wait and the NBA draft is not, uh, you know, it's not happening for another month or so and free agency is not starting for another five weeks or so, I think it would be really, really nice to obviously have your head coach in that situation, but I think these next couple of weeks is not make it or break it. I also think those other coaching candidates that are out there are going to be there in a couple of weeks, so I don't feel like you're losing out on somebody, or maybe there's just been nobody that has really kind of jumped off the table or jumped off the uh, the list in front of you, jumped off the paper and said, we got to go get this guy right now. So I, I don't, I'm not really in the camp of, you have to go get Doc Rivers tomorrow and go give up draft compensation. And I'm also not in the camp of, well, and all these other candidates, you might lose one of them if you wait a couple of weeks. So I'm not completely opposed to this. But this is what I want to do when we come back. A couple things, actually. One of the things I want to do is when we come back, um, I want to kind of list out for you who my favorite candidates are. And I'm going to throw Doc Rivers into that mix as well. And then also I want to get into this Magic Johnson stuff um, magic on if Russ comes back, how it would work, how it can work. What are some of the stipulations in that? So we'll do all that coming up next. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Trevor Lane in about 15 minutes or so. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. We got Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation coming up here in about uh, about 12 minutes or so. Um, okay, a couple things uh, I want to get into here, and I know I was just mentioning it. By the way, Harris Resort SoCal, uh, things are heating up at Harris Resort SoCal. Head to Funner, California this summer to dine at the country's largest Hell's Kitchen restaurant. Learn more at HarrisSoCal.com. Thank you for their partnership here on uh, on Lakers Talk. Um, so as the coaching carousel continues with the Lakers, and I know a lot of people are spending a lot of time on this, national, local shows, uh, a lot of criticism going towards the Lakers as well is, all right, who are you going to hire? Why are you taking so long? You know, what is it even an attractive job? I heard J.J. Redick talking about that earlier today. Uh, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of question marks around the Lakers, no question about that. But – if Doc Rivers is still in the fold, which we were kind of getting some of those rumors a little bit earlier today, that was coming from Mark Stein. If he's still in the fold, I want to just kind of rank for you guys um, who I'd like to see coach the Lakers based on the names that we've just been getting over the last couple of days. I, I'm uh, I kind of look at the Doc Rivers situation, and Doc to me feels like if he is available and the Lakers still think they have a chance at him and everything else. He seems like the right coach to accomplish a couple things. Have you been in the league for a long time? Okay, he has. Were you a former player? He was a former player. Are you known as a good leader in most locker rooms? Yes, he's known for that as well. Do you have a lot of experience coaching big-time players in the NBA? Well, yeah, I mean, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Paul George, Joel Embiid, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard. I think that's a safe one to say. He has coached a lot of big-time stars, um, uh, big-time personalities, the way you put it right there. Uh, has Doc Rivers won a championship? He's won a championship before, back in 2008, obviously against the Lakers. There's also a lot else, a lot of other things that comes with Doc Rivers. Has he been the favorite in certain series in the NBA, and have they lost? Absolutely. Has he blown 3-1 leads before? Yes, he's done it three times. Has he been with teams where um, you felt like, okay, they're a shoo-in to get to the Western Conference Finals or the Finals, and those teams have disappointed? Absolutely. That's happened. We've seen it happen with the Clippers many a times. But I think Doc, uh, for me, kind of fills this window for the Lakers where if you went out and got a coach that is a young coach, which, by the way, I'm a fan of before the Doc Rivers kind of conversation continue to, to come up, which it really just started over the last 24 hours or so. Um, I, I'm going to make my case for Darvin Ham in a second. But I, I think that whoever becomes the next Lakers head coach, isn't this kind of a two-year window? Isn't it really that that's all it is? It's, it's a window where you're sitting with a franchise that has Braun going into his 20th season – um, once there's a, there, there's the chapter with LeBron and then the chapter where you assume LeBron's no longer a part of the Lakers, it feels like it's a couple years. And Doc Rivers feels like that's would be somebody that would be here for a couple of years. And my example on that is if LeBron decided in a couple of years, okay, guys, that's it, or I'm going to go play with Bronny or whatever the case is, um, wouldn't it make more sense then that Doc Rivers, who, if you start kind of rebuilding your franchise, Doc Rivers is probably not going to be a part of a rebuild Laker team. I don't think that's going to be the case. Go look at his history in the league here over the last 10 years or so. He's not on rebuilding teams. He's on teams that he thinks has a chance to compete for an NBA championship. So I look at Doc Rivers, and if you said, hey, out of the four, Kenny Atkinson, Terry Stotts, Darvin Ham, and Doc Rivers, who would you want to be the next head coach of the Lakers, I lean towards Doc Rivers. If Doc is not a part of that conversation and he's going to come back to the Philadelphia 76ers and Daryl Morey wasn't BSing when he said we want Doc back 
and he's not paying attention to you know Mike D'Antoni or whatever the case is, or the Lakers just don't want to give up draft compensation to go get him, then that's a different conversation. In that regard, I'm going to go back to a point that I've been making here for the last few days or so. I go Darvin Ham. I take my chance. I, I I take my chance on a former player, eight years in the league, an assistant coach for a couple of years with the Lakers, uh, somebody that has been sitting in a um, in a program I call program the Milwaukee Bucks, sitting with a franchise as an assistant coach where they've had a tremendous amount of success. They won an NBA championship. Seems like he's in a really, really good culture. Um, Seems like somebody that would fit a little bit more of the trend right now around the NBA where you give former players, younger coaches an opportunity, and they've had some success on it. That's no guarantee that he's going to have success with the Lakers. That's no, There's no guarantee that obviously coming into a situation like the Lakers that there aren't a ton of questions, a ton of pressure, and maybe his inexperience will be the difference of him having success, not having success. But I'd rather see a Darvin Ham and take my chances there than I would a Terry Stotts or a Kenny Atkinson. I think Terry Stotts is more the typical coach around the NBA. Is it really that much different than Frank Vogel or something along those lines? I think I'd take my chances with a, with a Darvin Ham on that front. Um, okay, if you guys want to hit me up on Twitter, you can feel free to do so. Uh, your thoughts on the next coach of the Lakers or the names that have been rumored around the Lakers, who you'd love to see uh, coach the uh, the Lake Show. And we'll see if this, uh, if this comes to a close here in the next week or so, two weeks or not, or we're going to just continue to spend most of our Lakers talk shows assuming who will be the next coach and trying to pick out who we think would be the best fit. So Magic was on with, uh, did an interview with David Aldridge of The Athletic. And the conversation continues to come up, and this has been something we've been talking about here for the last couple of weeks. It seems to be, hey, maybe Russ will come back to the Lakers. I'm going to still sit on this. I don't want to see him back with the Lakers. I hope the Lakers can find a partner that agrees that there's some benefit to having Russ on their team. There's some benefit of an expiring contract, and I hope the Lakers are able to get a couple of role players that they think now um, – assembles a better team to go along with LeBron and Anthony Davis and they take their chances come October when the season starts. However, that could also not be um, uh, reality for the Lake Show. That could easily, we could kind of always, we could be in this mix here, like like it sounds like many people have thrown this out there, that Russ could be back with the Lakers. If that's just trying to add more value of, hey, you know what, if teams think that we want Russ back, then maybe they'll uh, be nicer to us when we're trying to deal him or whatever the case is. I don't really buy that, but I do feel if Russ does come back, it's not by choice. It's because the Lakers just have to deal with it. So Magic was kind of asked the question about um, Russ being on the roster. Can it still work? I'm going to read off a quote here. Again, he did this with David Aldridge of The Athletic. And I'm going to kind of stop. I'll do pieces of this because I think some of it is interesting. Well, it can only work if you've got the coach, the right coach. To me, it still comes down to who's the coach. And then also, he's on a one-year, $47 million contract. Even if you offer him in a trade, what are you realistically going to get back? Let me stay with the coach first. Okay, I think there's something there. All right, is Russ on a a team that he feels like, hey, this is, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll roll with this coach. Yeah, I really, really respect this coach. Yeah, you know what? That coach is going to challenge me, but that's okay. I like the guy. I respect him, and I see where he's coming from, and I'm willing to listen to him because I think it's fair to say Frank Vogel and Russell uh, Westbrook did not have that relationship. They didn't. So is the coach going to be a big factor in this? Yeah, I think the coach can be a good factor. I'm okay with that. Now, that doesn't really change the fit. But will a player like Russ, if a a coach that he respects and likes says, Russ, listen, man, I need you to sacrifice for this squad. You've got to come off the bench. You just got to do it. This is the only way that I think it's going to work. Maybe there's a coach out there that can kind of sell Russ on the idea of being a team player. Let me read more into the quote. He says, um, let's see here. You've really got – okay. Are those players are going to get back? Okay, I want to skip all that. Um, uh, okay, here, here's the part that I want to read. 
take him out, take him to dinner to sit him down. How can I, how can this thing be better? Because if he's going to be there, it's got to be better. I guess whoever they name, that's the first thing they're going to have to do. And you can't sit down once. You've got to uh, sit down for a week. you got to try two or things that you got to figure out. Basically what he's trying to say is he wants that whatever relationship that that coach has has a good relationship with Russ. So I understand the importance and the key of that relationship with the coach. But this is, I think, part of the stuff that Magic is leaving out. You can have a really good relationship with a player. Ultimately, at the end of the day, defenses are going to try to take advantage of your weaknesses. Defenses are going to try to say, even if Russ buys in, even if Russ says, whatever the hell this new coach wants me to do, I'm all in. Even if his environment and the energy and everything he brings to the table, it's it's positive and uh, everybody is singing kumbaya together. How's the fit? It always comes back to me with this. LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russ proved to me in 21 games together that that's not that good of a fit. AD and Russ together proved to me in the games that they played together and LeBron wasn't there, or maybe LeBron is on the bench sitting, that those two don't thrive together. LeBron and Russ together proved that they don't thrive when AD was out. So as much as, you know, the coach is going to play a piece of this, and maybe that's Doc Rivers or maybe that's Darvin Ham, whoever the coach is, the fit is the fit there. Are those guys all kind of sitting there on a night-in, night-out basis finding ways to make it fit? You know, in in a little bit after uh, we have the conversation with Trevor Lane who's coming up here in a few minutes, we're going to spend some time talking about these, these current playoff teams the teams that are having success, how much that fit. There's a certain level of just talent, but then there's fit. Do these guys jive together? Are they playing good basketball together? And I think that, to me, is an important question about what Magic is trying to say. Your coach does matter. I I really believe that. But I also think there's only so much a coach can do with that roster. So what Palenka does in the offseason, and if they are able to go out there and and make some type of a trade – and they are able to go out there and trade Russell uh, Russ. The idea is going to be they're going to bring in players that they feel are a better fit. Let me take you guys back to the last couple of years. When the Lakers had Alex Caruso and KCP and Kyle Kuzma and even guys like you know Dennis Schroeder I'm going to throw in there or Danny Green. I'm just naming off role players, right? JaVale McGee. A lot of these guys fit. They knew their role. They knew what to do. They weren't taking up this huge amount of your, you know, your cap space or whatever the case is, but they were effective. They played the game the right way. And that's the one thing with Russ that is so difficult to get over the position that the Lakers are in. Are are they going to, with him in the lineup, are they going to be able to, whatever they do in the offseason, be able to make him fit? There might not be a solution there. There might not be an answer there. So even though th- this has been kind of a topic or a conversation over the last couple of weeks that there's growing kind of um, growing, I don't know if concern is the right way to put it, but that that he could still be a part of the roster. And if he is a part of the roster, I don't know how much of that stuff's going to change. Okay, Trevor Lane, the Lakers Nation's coming up next. Uh, I'll kind of get into these topics that we just hit on. The questions about the head coaching, how he would kind of rank it, if he can uh, make his choice or pick the candidates that he wants to be the next coach of the Lakers. And then this portion about Russ, is there a way to make it fit if he does come back? We'll do all that coming up next. Thanks, thank you for being a part of Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. 
and boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured, it was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. I want to welcome in Trevor Lane of Lakers Nation. Always uh, great to have him a part of the show. Um, Trev, uh, whether we're in the offseason or we're in the middle of the season, there's always stories around the Lake Show. So I got a bunch of questions to ask you. Thank you for uh, joining the show. Let me let me start off with this. What did you make of some of the storylines today that, that Doc Rivers, that there's still hope that the Lakers – can go after Doc, that it's not a lock or a guarantee that he's going to stay with the Philadelphia 76ers. Before I get into some of the other coaching candidates and where you stand on that, um, what what do you make of this story about Doc Rivers, and, and how much do you think Doc would be a, a good fit or a bad fit for the Lake Show? Alan, I mean, I, I don't know what to, to make of that. It's it's strange because they've been the, the 76ers have been so matter of fact about it. I mean, Doc is under contract, and the 76ers have said they want him back next season. Um, Doc has not sounded like he he's someone who wants to move on or wants to become the Lakers head coach. Uh, there's obviously a reason why these rumors persist, but still, it's it's odd when the organization has come right out and said, "Oh no, no, he's going to be our coach next season," and that was. That was the one thing, the one qualifier that seemed like had to happen in order for Doc Rivers to become the Lakers coach was the 76ers were going to have to want to get rid of him. Otherwise, if the 76ers want to keep him, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Even if Doc wants to leave, the Lakers aren't going to go trade something for Doc Rivers. The NBA doesn't even really want teams trading for coaches again. Doc Rivers has already been traded for once. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It makes me think that there's a piece to the puzzle that we're missing here. There's something else that's out there. This is still floating around that the Lakers are interested in Doc as well. Uh, but logistically, I just I don't see how it happens. Uh, but again, it feels like with that being the case, there must be something that we're missing if the Lakers are really still holding out hope that Doc Rivers can become available and then can become a, an option for them. Let, let's just assume this because uh, I, I want to – you know, all the candidates have been, they're so different. Their situation, whether they're coaching right now or they're not, whether they have head coaching experience or they don't. Doc, obviously, has been around the league for a long time. He's a former player. He's coached a lot of superstars. Let's say tomorrow it's announced that, hey, Doc Rivers is going to be the next head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. What would you say? I would be shocked. Um, I think that some of the other candidates that they've got right now are probably better fits. But Doc obviously has that, that coaching pedigree, probably is the bigger name fit uh, for the Lakers, the bigger name to go, and, to go and get. But big picture, if we pan back, I would question whether or not they're making the same mistake that they made last summer in terms of going after the name rather than focusing on the fit. I mean, that's really what they did with Russell Westbrook, right? I, I think it would be the same thing if you go get Doc Rivers over giving a guy like Darvin Ham or Terry Stotts or even Kenny Atkinson a chance to run the team. So, Trev, it, it's funny because um, Friday is when we kind of got this. Uh, Woj had tweeted out, Shams had tweeted out that looks like there's some finalists here, and it was Terry Stotts, was Darvin Ham, was Kenny Atkinson. Of those three coaches, and again, um, either an assistant coach right now that has been a head coach in the past, an assistant coach right now that's never been a head coach, or Terry Stotts, who's obviously had um, a lot of coaching experience with the Portland Trailblazers, Damian Lillard, um, of those three guys, from a fit perspective, do, does one of them stand out over the others? Yeah, I think I agree with what I've seen most Lakers fans saying, and that's that they want Darvin Ham. I think he makes a lot of sense. There is a little bit of that mystery there because he hasn't been a head coach, so people are going to be optimistic with, with someone like that because you don't know for sure what they are. You certainly have a, a steady hand in, in Terry Stotts. You know exactly what you're getting with him. And that's not a bad thing. Kenny Atkinson, known very well as a player development guy, you can question whether that's a fit for the Lakers right now, but could be a great fit for them uh, a couple of years down the road whenever LeBron eventually sails off into the sunset. But Darvin Ham, it seems like, is brings 
the new ideas that we're seeing a lot of teams thrive with from first-time head coaches. You look at those guys in green over in Boston and, and Emi Odoka, which worked out with him. We're seeing a number of first-time head coaches actually hit with teams, and I think part of that is because the NBA has changed so much even in the last decade just in terms of the way the game is played. I think that's, that's important, and you get some anoots and these new coaches coming in that have come up through an NBA that is more similar to the way it is today instead of guys who have been in the league for 20 years and the coaching methods and ideas that were around 20 years ago are not the same as those today. So I think he's got that in, in his corner. Darvin Ham does. He's also known as somebody who's very well respected around the NBA who commands the respect of the people around him. And I think that's important for a team with LeBron James, with Anthony Davis, potentially with Russell Westbrook. So I think there's, there's a lot here to like about Darvin Ham coming into this job. And of course it's, it's a little bit of a surprise that this is where we landed because we've been saying for a while, like, hey, the Lakers, they're going to want they're going to want a coach with head coaching experience already. But based on the three that they've got left, and again, I like all three for different reasons, I, I just think that Darvin Ham is your shot to get somebody who could be your coach for the next 10 years if everything hits. And that's rare, but I think Darvin Ham has that potential. Well, and, and I think, you know, the way the Lakers at least have been operating over the last five years or so, I don't know how far down the road they're looking. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if they brought – if the option is there, let's just say, like you said, you'd be surprised if they got Doc Rivers. But if the option is there and it's Doc coaching the Lakers for these next couple of years and then a new chapter starts and you start rebuilding, I don't see Doc there, right? Like that's not that's not how right. I think that would work. The Darvin Ham piece would tell you – okay, he can coach potentially these guys right now, and he could be that bridge to whatever the Lakers are after LeBron decides to stop playing basketball or he goes to play with Bronny or whatever the case is. Um, I saw this uh, earlier, and this is uh, – Woj had put this out, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, that Jawan Howard declines the Lakers as far as interest goes. He's no longer interested in the Lakers. Uh, J.J. Redick earlier today on Get Up was talking about how the Lakers' job is actually not that attractive. Um, I don't know if I fully believe some of this. When I say fully believe it, I, I was spending some time. If you're looking at the head coaching vacancy for the Charlotte Hornets and the head coaching vacancy for the Lakers, they're obviously polar opposite franchises. And you can make a case you're probably going to get more runway with Charlotte and there's going to be less pressure and you got some young talent there, and you could kind of grow with them. Do you think that the Lakers' head coaching job is not that attractive, or do you think people are saying if the opportunity is there, look, that's the most popular franchise arguably in sports. Yes, LeBron's walking into his 20th year in the NBA. Yes, Anthony Davis has definitely missed some time over the last couple of years, and they got a lot of questions around that roster um, but even with all those questions, how attractive do you think that the, the head coaching job is? I think it's still attractive. I mean, there's some reasons why you can look at it and say, well, you know, maybe a place like Charlotte would be better. And you listed some of them. And, it, you know, the stuff we heard about uh, in terms of the Lakers getting involved in the coaching meetings. And, of course, you've got uh, the, the Lakers wanting to pick the assistant coaches for Frank Vogel and the way Frank Vogel was dismissed. All these, these things. This, this all matters. This all makes the, the job a little bit less attractive. It takes off some of the shine, but the bottom line is that it's still the Lakers. You're still going to have that spotlight. And if you do it here, if you are successful with the Lakers, that is going to last. That is going to stick with you for your career. That's going to vault you up to a different level. I mean, heck look from the player's perspective, look at Austin Reeves, look at the decision he made. He could have been drafted last year in the second round and chose not to told the team that was going to draft him. No, because he wanted to go undrafted so he could land with the Lakers because he knew if he could find a way to get on the floor with the Lakers and show what he had there, that was going to matter more than doing it somewhere else. It was going to cement his status in the NBA to a greater degree because he's wearing that Lakers uniform and he's got that extra attention. And I think that was brilliant of him, and I think that same thing holds true. That same concept holds true for the head coaching position. If you're going to come in here, you're going to come into the Lakers, you're going to turn things around coming off of what I think has been the worst season in Lakers history, particularly relative to expectations. You turn this around, you get this team back in the playoffs. And of course, a lot of that is on the front office too. What pieces do they, do they land? There's a lot of factors involved here, 
But as a coach, if you can come in and you can get this group to coalesce, if you can get this team looking like a winner once again, that's the kind of thing that people are going to remember for the remainder of your career, and you're going to be able to to advance yourself a lot further than you could if you turn the Charlotte Hornets into a mid-tier playoff team in the Eastern Conference. I think that matters to head coaches, and uh, and I think at the end of the day, that's going to be what differentiates the two franchises when uh, these uh, these prospective coaches are making their decisions on which team they would prefer to coach. Trevor Lane taking some time to join us here from Lakers Nation on Lakers Talk. Uh, Trevor, I, I was reading off a quote a little bit earlier uh, in the show. Magic was uh, did an interview with David Aldridge of The Athletic. And kind of the idea on the concept is, okay, well, if Russ comes back and the relationship with the coach is going to be an incredible amount, he's got to have the respect of the coach and the relationship with him and that chemistry and everything else. Um, the way you look at it, if – Russ is back with the Lakers, and this is just kind of the situation everybody's in. He re-ups and he signs that $47 million deal, um, and the Lakers are not able to trade him. How can Russ work on the Lakers? Because I have said this, that I saw enough games. I know the sample size was just 21 games, but I saw enough of Russ and AD together. I saw enough of Russ and LeBron together, and I saw enough of the three together, the 21 games that they played together, to say, yeah, that just that just doesn't fit. That chemistry isn't there. Um, Russ is what he's good at doesn't exactly complement what those two players do. Um, do. Do you still have some optimism that there's a way for those three to work and that there's a way that Russ can thrive on a Lakers roster if he's still there? Uh, I, I don't. I don't still have that, that optimism. I agree with you, Alan. I think that it, it, it never was a fit on paper. It was always a gamble that can talent outweigh fit? Are Russ, LeBron, AD together? Is that just so much talent that the fit doesn't matter? And the answer that we heard last season was a resounding no if you look at everything that, that happened last season. And in addition to it, it not fitting on the floor, it didn't fit personality-wise. It didn't fit in terms of the relationship with the fans. That certainly didn't work out very well. It was not a fit in any particular way with Russell Westbrook being on the Los Angeles Lakers. So I don't have really any optimism that it's suddenly going to work next season. If you bring in a coach, whoever it is, whether it's Doc Rivers, Terry Stotts, Darvin Ham, Kenny Atkinson, whoever it is, if they're able to somehow make this, make this work, hmm. then that, that will be a claim to fame for years to come. That will be an absolutely Herculean task to try to make this work. And we've heard, you know, the Lakers have been asking this in their coaching interviews, whether or not they think that, that Russ can work, each individual coach, how would you make it work? What can you do? That sort of thing. So it could be a realistic scenario where Russell Westbrook does come back. But if that, if that happens, I think it's just going to be because they simply couldn't find the right trade out there and not because they really think this is going to be the best path for them moving forward. I think it's just, it would just be a suggestion that the, the price to move him was simply too high and so instead, they're just going to bite the bullet and, and keep him on the team for next season, and then he'll expire after that, and then they'll part ways. Because I, I don't have, after what we saw last season, I agree with you, Alan, I don't think there's a whole lot of reason for optimism that it's suddenly going to be fixed just by changing out the coach. Trev, final one for you, and I always appreciate you being a part of the show. So this is what I'm curious about is, you know, when we say, well, what is the asking price, and you might have to take on contracts, and those contracts might be two, three years left on that contract. You might also have to include a pick. If you find the players that you think are the right role players, and even if it costs you, well, that guy's going to be on the contract for two years, and then that guy's going to be on the contract for three years, and you have to also give up draft compensation, um, I guess my question is, what makes you say no? I mean, what at, at what point – I feel like the Lakers are in a desperate situation, and you know LeBron's only getting older, and – um and uh, but if you feel like hey we're getting the right role players back don't you do it even if it's two years and three years left on a deal am i am i missing something there at what point do you think it's too much no i, I think you're absolutely right because here's here's what we have to remember the there's a a cost here in terms of future future draft capital there'll be the 2027 or 2029 first do the step in rule those are the only ones that they have available to trade so you're probably going to have to include one, maybe maybe both of those in order to get it done. So obviously, depending on who you're getting back, there's a point where you'll say, okay, that's too, that's too much to pay. But the opportunity cost is also important for the Lakers. In 2023, so next summer, 
They've got a ton of cap space right now. And you're going to sacrifice that if you take on contracts that go past, if they go two, two years, three years. But that's okay to do that if you're getting guys that you're saying, well, this is somebody that we think can fit sure. for the next two to three years anyway, right? If this is a guy that we would like to have, you're just replacing whoever you would get in that summer with that cap room with the player that you're getting right now, with the cost of doing that being potentially a future draft pick. So if it's the right guy, then yeah, absolutely. You're not really giving up that future cap space that you're sacrificing. You're filling that with a guy who who you think is going to be a great fit anyway. So the question becomes, who is that player? Is that player worth it? And that's where you start to figure out the value of, is it then worth it to add a future first, uh, two future firsts, and all of that. But in terms of spending that future cap space, that's fine. As long as it's not just for a random contract, as long as it's for a guy that you think this is a player we want, this is a player that we can keep for a few years, then that, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Trev, thank you, my man. I always appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing your thoughts. And I know these next few weeks will be very interesting in Lakerland. So thank you for doing this, bud. No problem, Alan. Thank you so much for having me once again. All right, that's Trevor Lane right there. Final thoughts coming up next day right here. Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. All right, just a quick reminder, if you miss any part of the show, you can always catch it. By the way, download the uh, new ESPN LA app. It is uh, it's fantastic. It's clean. It's easy. Um, we got our own Lakers page on there for Lakers Talk. So if you are catching the show live or if you want to catch it a little bit later, the app is uh, extremely, extremely easy to use, number one. And number two, got all the shows on there. So just always uh, one click away from listening to your favorite show. This show, Travis and Sliwa, Mason Island, Stan on Cap, whatever the shows are, it's all uh, it's all on the app. Uh, thank you to Trevor Lane for joining the show. And, you know, th- this has been, these last few weeks have been interesting Lakers talk shows for me because every time I kind of feel like, okay, we're probably going to hire a coach here pretty soon, it has not happened. And it's been, you can call it delayed. But I don't think it's that big of a deal that the Lakers haven't hired a coach yet. I really don't. I think... If you told me that we're sitting here three weeks from now and they still don't have a coach and we're getting close to the NBA draft and we're getting close to the NBA uh, free agency starting, that's when I would kind of sit back and say, well, no, 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 I'd like a head coach in there. I would like somebody sitting there um, uh, that's ready to go and that's having the conversations with the front office and is putting together the roster and is maybe looking at trades together. So... Um, but I still think we have a window here of a couple of weeks before that becomes key, important, and those timelines become key. So we'll see what uh, what happens on that front. Now, as far as the different candidates that we've kind of go- gone over these last couple of weeks and certainly that we went over a little bit earlier today, um, I thought it was interesting. Trevor Lane talking about how he thinks it would – he kind of leans on it more. Getting Doc Rivers would be more for the name rather than the fit. Well – you know, I've said this a couple different times. If you're Rob Palenka, this is the one thing I'm asking for Rob Palenka. The one thing. The thing that's most important to me that I want to see from Rob Palenka as we kind of navigate this offseason, if you got something you like and you want to go do it, go do it. Don't let anybody else influence you a, a certain way. Um, don't let Magic or Phil or um, really, I, I understand you got an entire front office there that you work for, but this is a critical, critical decision that he's making. He's got to make it because next summer, if you're 15, 16 games below 500 this upcoming year and you don't make the playoffs again or you don't win a round or you don't just show some promise or you don't show that you hired the right coach, then you're probably not making another hire for the Lakers. That your your job as president of basketball operations, I think, will be numbered. And I use that as an example because at least in this situation, this predicament, if you think Darvin Ham's a guy, go freaking get him. 
And if other people are a little bit hesitant on that decision, well, that's too bad. You're the president of basketball operations. If you think Doc Rivers is the guy, go get him. And we'll see what happens and what the Lakers end up doing on that front. I just got a couple quick thoughts here on um, – I wanted to talk about it, and we really didn't hit on it too much uh, earlier today. We, it was brought up, but we didn't get too far into it. The, uh, the Golden State Warriors are up three games to none of the Dallas Mavericks and I think right now are the clear-cut favorites to go win another championship. And Travis and I were spending a little time on this from kind of a dynasty perspective. Is you know, like, Wait, wait, are they a dynasty? And I guess the answer is absolutely they are. Now they got to get to the NBA Finals again, which I think that's just a matter of time. And the question is going to come if, you know, you look back at the Lakers in the 80s, what they make it to. Uh, they win five championships, does magic. He gets to eight championships, eight finals appearances with Kareem. LeBron goes six and or I'm sorry, um, the uh, Michael Jordan goes six and zero in the NBA Finals. They win six championships in a span of eight years. The Spurs, obviously, what they've done uh, over the years with Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and uh, and Tony Parker, and then you got this piece of the pie as well. Look back at the Boston Celtics, what they did, Shaq and Kobe era, getting to four NBA Finals in five years, winning three in a row. Uh, Miami, if you want to put them in that crew, they they got to the finals four years in a row. Granted, they won uh, two of them, um, but this Warriors team, it's 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 pretty special what they've done to win a championship in 2015, lose in 2016. You're up three games to one, and you end up losing it. KD comes for two years, you win two or three years, you make it to the NBA Finals three years in a row, you win two more championships, and to be on a path to get back to the NBA Finals after a two-year hiatus, Clay being out with his injuries, Kevin Durant leaving, but Draymond, Steph, and Clay being kind of the, the foundation still. Now, what they've done is impressive because Andrew Wiggins they got uh, after they signed and trade KD to go get D'Angelo. D'Angelo they flipped into Andrew Wiggins. Jordan Poole they drafted. They they've Their paths to success have kind of come in different directions but those three main players are still there. And I look at this Warriors team, and it's pretty damn impressive. If they get back to the finals and win an NBA championship, I think this actually would be the most impressive of all of their championships simply because the route of how long it took for them to be away from it, to get back there, but you still got the three main guys plus your head coach and Steve Kerr. So we'll see what eventually happens, but uh, that was a conversation we were talking about. Anytime you talk about dynasties, obviously Lakers come up in multiple different conversations, and the Warriors are in their own little class right now figuring out where they uh, map up with the rest of uh, some of the uh, uh, dynasties in the NBA or at least in NBA history. Okay, next Lakers uh, talk show will be actually uh, Tuesday, a week from tomorrow, Memorial Day weekend. And then uh, we'll do the show after that. So we won't do it on a Monday. We'll do it on a Tuesday. Thank you to everybody for being a part of the show. Thank you to Trevor Lane of Lakers Nation. Um, Laker fans, have a great rest of your night. Thank you for being a part of the show.